Where would you rank it if we had to do a, a top three? Like, what's the best movie between this, Over the Top, and Superman 4? Okay, Superman 4, obviously at the bottom. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. I don't absolutely. think there's any question on that. Yeah. Um, but that's a tough one because you're, you're balancing the star <laughs> power of Stallone in kind of a lame movie or Dude. much more action. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Nielsen. You're listening to Children of the Addams. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are back. Coveted so hot with, I don't know if, if it's been highly anticipated or long awaited or long dread. It's like we watched this movie quite a few weeks ago and we're finally going to sit down and talk about it now. It's Masters of the Universe. We promised. Uh, we did. Starring uh, Dolph Lundgren from 1987. <laughs> Given my age, at the time this movie was announced, it was very exciting the, the prospect of seeing a, a live action He Man because, you know, we had all just been slammed you know every saturday with you know nothing but toy ads and cartoons and just you couldn't get away from fucking he-man comic books like everywhere so of course it's what we wanted to see in a, in a live action movie and then you know it's like ivan drago's gonna play him and it's like well at least he's you know he looks like he fits the bill that works he's and, blonde yeah <laughs> you know i'm easily impressed with bad movies today so i mean it had to start somewhere i'm willing to guess that this is the very movie that started it because <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know if I disliked it as a child, but I think I should have liked it a lot less than what I did. I as a kid, I I didn't like this. Now I'm, I might be what a couple years older yeah. than you, so I may maybe I was just getting slightly like out of that. But I was like, I, I vividly remember this because it. So Masters of the Universe, like I grew up watching the cartoon, the filmation yeah. cartoon. Um, to this day, I can just I can hear that uh, filmation <laughs> crawl across the screen, yeah. ding, 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 and then the, that scroll come in. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I remember watching that every day after school when I was a kid. You know, a, you know, as part of the He-Man, Transformers, GI Joe, you know, babysitter that hour was a solid for me. Power but I never had any of the toys. Like every one of my friends had toys. I never had any of the toys. Did you have any of the Masters of the Universe toys? I had a He-Man, and then uh, like the the bad guy, the skunk, the skunk man. Yeah. Skunk man, who was Skunk man? I don't even. Boy, I don't yeah. even remember that character. Okay, yeah, I didn't have. I, I I remember going over to my friend, different friends' houses, and like, like I had one friend who had like all the toys. He had Castle Grayskull, He Man, Skeletor, you know, Evil In, Tila, every one Actually, of the characters, you know, with all the like, the, like the vehicles yeah. and stuff too. And I was like, these are badass. Like I was, I was a GI Joe and Transformers kid. Those are the toys yeah. I had. Um, so I, I don't know if I was just like a year too late to the toy game or my parents just said uh that's too expensive let me get you a gi yeah. instead actually uh, i do have a slight correction i looked it up the name of the uh, he, he was a man skunk was was this villain but he was called stinkor, <laughs> stinkor. yeah I, man, he was I the evil master the of odors of uh and actually uh the toy smelled like the yeah the, really? the toy smelled like absolute shit like I remember to this day, like smelled as it had. It was like a peppery kind of just like fucking musk. Like whatever they put inside this plastic, I'm sure is absolutely terrible to be breathing in. But yeah, you could you could oh. smell this bad guy. Like I'm coming to get you, he man. Here's my okay. Yeah. I I remember this. I remember this toy. I don't remember the character showing up on uh, the t- the television show. But yes. With, I mean, does it did it remind you of like when you were in the '80s and you had those scratch and sniff yeah. like, stickers? They all kind of smelled the same, and then after like yeah. two days, like there was nothing left of the smell. Oh, actually, uh, okay. According to, according to 
to uh, the, the fandom wiki here. Uh, that toy was actually made. Uh, it, the plastic in the molding was infused with patchouli oil. <laughs> so they actually put patchouli <laughs> into the plastic. So patchouli and plastic mixed together just smells like you know, I don't know, ass. Because <laughs> like I, to this day, I I'm still getting because... the smell of that toy in in my nostrils, and it, there's nothing patchouli about it. They're very distinct. So, smells these two. Yeah, I know what patchouli smells like, and uh, that is definitely one of those scents that either you kind of like right. it or you just hate it. Like, or you know, there's not like oh there's man, no I just love this. Others, maybe maybe yeah. there's maybe there's some people out there, <laughs> but yeah, it's either like oh okay, it's tolerable, it's not. There's nothing right. in between. Oh, I mean, and the same could probably be said for can... the Masters Universe movie itself too. Like, there's no there's no in between on <laughs> this. Thing. You either like it or you really fucking dislike it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I remember watching this as a kid. I, I was very hyped for this yeah. as a kid, though. I, I remember like waiting for this thing. Uh, there was a tie-in with Burger mm-hmm. King. I remember <laughs> as a kid going to Burger King, and they were selling like the Master Universe yeah. cups. Those those glass cups you had to pay like five dollars for that. I, like we never bought when I went there, but oh I was one. Oh my god, I know, dude. Like, I, I remember those fucking things desperately. Yes, I was I was so like really hyped for this movie, but. When it came down to it, like, I, this was one of the few movies that I never went to go see in the theaters. Like, I waited until it came on to home video before wow. I ever saw it. And, wow. Back then, what a, what a disappointment. I was I was so... <laughs> I, I just... I didn't know what I was watching. It felt yeah. weird. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's pretty fair. <laughs> like, because you didn't... Like, back then, you didn't have a concept of, you know, canon films or, or good production versus bad productions. I mean, you might have had a slight slight feeling yeah. to that but as a kid you watched a lot of movies that were really For really sure. terrible right we grew up on arnold and yeah, schwarzenegger man. or yeah, and stallone and all them so you know you either got really good movies or really cheesy movies but we all loved it mm-hmm. because we were kids master of the universe kind of fell into that except it had a very weird side story i don't know it was yeah, it's just like weird. the b it's, plot it's became the a plot and it was just why not keep it all <laughs> on the attorney like yes. it's, i don't you know well, well we'll have the answer to that we know what the answer is but <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you get this weird side story, of uh, a love story on Earth and all that stuff, and it just gets really a couple of high school kids. Who yeah, it does. Do it does take it. you yeah, out. I don't know. Ugh, Jesus. Yeah, but we, uh, yeah, I we wanted to make sure we got this show in because we had been promising this to you listeners out there, and I, I hope it doesn't disappoint. So, um, do, do you want to get in? Give a synopsis of here. The film. Yeah, yeah, briefly. Just, just t- give, give a, give a good overview because it's, it's hard yeah. to follow. Oh, like so, do the whole film or just like a brief synopsis of the whole thing? I would just give the whatever just the you highlights got of because... it. Basically, okay. Uh, yeah, because we're going to talk about movie this opens up on Eternia. Uh, the Great War is finally over, and evil has triumphed. Skeletor and and his group have conquered He Man, and our uh, our heroes are, are fleeing right now. And thanks to a super genius. By the name of Gildor, he's invented a cosmic key, which can whisk them anywhere uh, in the universe. Like, it, you know, they, they, they Doctor Strange themselves right to wherever they want to go. And uh, mm-hmm. they use uh, musical notes to uh, like a light sequence out of this uh, big synthesizer looking thing. And as <laughs> I, I want to say, somehow the evil, like the, you know, the evil, whatever the fuck they're called, the... Skeletor's goons. They know. They find about the oh, key, yeah. so they're all. Uh, they're trying to get to Gwildor to take the cosmic key from him. But he happens to have stumbled upon uh, upon He Man and uh, Man at Arms and uh, Tila. Just you know, as they're traipsing about Eternia, so one thing leads to another, and they get uh, they activate the key. They get whisked away. But somehow, when uh, 
instead of in that in the probability of going anywhere in the universe like they're on a, a desert planet where there's actual magic and sorcery and like aliens and other stuff and they could go anywhere uh they're taken to california <laughs> and just dropped there into like a, a high school teen romance comedy yes but it's kind of like a heartbreaking one. The movie takes a bit of a turn. Like they're on Eternia for maybe like 10 minutes of the movie. And then, you know, they're, they're whisked away. And I I don't remember how they lose track of the key. I just know our heroes end up in California and they lose the key. And like some kid finds the key and he and his girlfriend are then sucked into the plot and and the battle commences because the evil forces show up because this kid's some kind of a musician, so he he plays the key. Because <laughs> he, what are they? What was his? What was his hook in this movie? Is that he had a, he had a photo. He has a photographic he's, memory, but only for musical notes. Was was that? Yeah, like he's he's just he's like an up and coming like <laughs> oh music guy. Fuck. He can he once he hears a tune, he can like he can oh, remember get the it. Fuck you know, out it's, of here! It's, it's That's that head. dude's memory. Yeah, he's like once he hears a tune, man. Fucking, I got it. I can save the yep. universe. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> this guy's name is uh, Kevin. So as Kevin is, uh, his girlfriend Julie, uh, played by uh, Courtney Cox. Uh, this might have been her her first movie role, if I uh, remember correctly. It, yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about she's it. She's dealing with a bit of trauma on her own. She's getting ready to move away from California, and he's trying to convince her to come watch his band play to dance uh, before she leaves town. Basically, like her parents died, and it's a really tragic kind of backstory and all that well as kevin is trying to play with his instrument and, and figure out this uh the synthesizer he keeps calling it he keeps activating the cosmic key and of course that's just sending out signals to wherever the hell fucking attorney is and skeletor and his goons lock onto it and you know he sends a a, a squad forward to you know to find the key kind of deal and uh have I missed anything yet at this point in the film? Well, it just culminates to a final battle. Well, because one battle. They get well, one battle to... on Earth, yeah, which was, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh... <laughs> and then a very anticlimactic battle. Yeah, man, it was turn. bad. Like, the battle on Earth was okay. Like, you see, like, you know, a, a group of, a, a, a couple of characters you would recognize from the cartoon and, and the toys, like, show up. Like, Beastman is there, and they have Evil Lynn, and, you know. But there's, there's a couple of characters who, aren't, who weren't anywhere. Like, uh, yeah, the one main little, uh, he kind of looked like a puppy dog goon. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, was it Kang? Maybe, I think yeah. it was Kang or something you know, like that. Card, yeah. Card. thank you. Card. That was it. Yeah. So they, uh, all right. They battle, they find, you know, the Heat Man is there, and in the heat of the battle, Heat Man, like, he bests the villains and, you know, he sends them on their way, but the girl is Julie. She's injured because she threw herself in front of a, of a, of a shot basically to, to protect He-Man, was that it? Like, it was yeah. like she shielded herself to save He-Man. Yeah, she yeah. gets shot in the leg and poisoned, and you know she's gonna die, or she got hit with Skeletor's magic or some bullshit. But anyway, uh, He-Man, in, in order for them to save her life, he sacrifices himself and gives himself up to Skeletor because Skeletor needs him back at Castle Grayskull. Uh, he's gonna suck out He-Man's power into himself, and he, he'll become. Super Skeletor, right? Yeah, Master, Master of the universe. universe. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so then back on Earth, Mad at Arms and Teela are left behind. Uh, but because they're with Kevin, who can remember any fucking tune, he manages to, uh, with Gwildor, they build a rig and hook it up to a keyboard. And this kid 
plays the tune to unlock a path back to Eternia. And at that point, when He-Man sees his friends back, he decides he's strong enough to fight, and then he fights Skeletor, and that's just it. He wins. Yeah, it, it kind of just yeah. ends that way. And they, they just sort of stop well, filming there, the movie there is a stinger point. at the end, yeah. Well, we, yeah, you get that little stinger at the end that just... Says, oh, wait, hey, oh, back, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, hang on. We, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, how well, that comes I'm out, sorry, so. after He-Man defeats Skeletor, they, they then send their, uh, they send Kevin and Julie back uh, back in, back to Earth, but apparently Gwildor uh, also has the ability to travel back in time with the Cosmic Key, which brings up a whole different set of questions. Uh, so he sends, yeah. he sends Julie and Kevin back to Earth, but back in time on Earth to a point to where she could warn her parents about a plane crash they're going on. So she takes her dad's plane keys with her and just leaves the house. Uh, And and then they're left like a little trinket that, you know, it's glowing. It's like symbolizing like they, they're still connected to attorney somehow. It's like a thing. So you fast forward to the end of the credits and Skeletor comes out of a, of a pit of water, like what, you know, Palpatine should have or something like that and says, I'll be back. And then, (laughs) You know, that's the end of the movie. Uh, my question would be, though, if Gwildor does have the ability to time travel with his little key, why not just go back to when before Skeletor defeated He-Man the first time and fix it? Well, I guess that it depends on, like, when they would want to do that. So let's, hmm. okay, because we'll, I think we can cover that when we get there. So let's let's get back to the beginning of this movie here. I mean, right? Like, there, there's a million questions you can go in this like one because right it, it happens in every time travel movie. Like, it's a Pandora's box. Yeah. So, as we open up in this film, as you said, yeah, evil is overcoming good, right? Uh, Skeletor's yep. forces have invaded. Somehow they have mm-hmm. they have cracked, you know, the security at Grayskull and gotten in yep. there and taken the sorcerer's hostage and he-man is now on the run with man-at-arms and teela right and which right away like i'm looking at the this film because there's there's not a lot of compliments i can give to the filmmaking on this thing or the cinematography nothing's really pretty here it looks like a very like semi cgi but maybe some place out in the desert somewhere where they, that's eternia like eternia for being the center of the universe looks like it's just like big rock <laughs> that, that people are just like, wandering around tatooine looks like a gigantic fucking you know like metropolis a metropolis yeah compared, compared to, to fucking, what, what attorney is yeah, compared to most of attorney like all attorney is, is castle gray skull and then wherever the fuck skeletor lives and then it's just desert like that's yeah. it apparently well apparently they had they like they they had plans to actually build up a mock-up of snake mountain as well oh that'd be but cool. however yeah being this is a canon film right they, they were already kind of overextended on this thing already so they needed to get this thing done and this is what we get. So th- it explains why you, you brought up the question earlier is why we go to Earth. Yeah, it's because it's too expensive to, to have all these sets made up and everything like that to, to, to have things happen on Eternia. It's much easier to well, find yeah. a, uh, like a little place on, on Earth and, sh- <laughs> and shoot that. Yeah. Right. Basically, the, the background of where they, wherever the fuck they filmed Gremlins. Yeah, yes, they yes. Most of this fucking movie. The, uh, but the one set they did build was the, was the gigantic ass throne room at the end, though, right? Yes. Like that yeah. was practical. Two levels. Oh. Yeah, it's like it was made up of like two sound stages. Like it was at the time, it was like the biggest set ever yeah. built, which yeah. is crazy. Because that, right? I mean, if you, if you, I don't know if you ever been to a sound stage. I mean, if depending on which ones you go to, they have uh-huh. some gigantic ones. I mean, you could just like walk. It's like a big giant aircraft hangar, right? Yeah. So depending on how big this was, I mean, 
they 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 probably most of their money that was spent on the, the on the sound stage, you know, with all this stuff because it did kind of look cool. Like, there was some cool stuff to it. You had a yeah, you know a big sure. you know you know eye there that was you know essentially a an apex or I don't know what do, what do you call those? Uh, I don't not, a, not a diaphragm, whatever. But yeah, but I mean the throne room looked really cool and everything like that. But everything else, I mean the makeup job. I don't know. Skeletor's makeup job. It, it looked pretty decent. It was you know, fine, man. What it was. Like, you know, if fucking, if they'd have done that with Red Skull for Captain America, like, <laughs> I would have been fine with that. Like, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't too terrible at all. Well, if you're talking about, like, the 1990, you know, Salinger. You I know, mean, one, obviously. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well above Marvel. Marvel would never do that. Yeah. But, yeah, so we, we get to, we, we, we see that that he-man and stuff like that they they figure out it's funny because I, I think it's funny you did bring up star wars uh if you notice like the bad guys that he-man yeah, kind of runs into all look like stormtroopers yeah you know they're all dressed in black they have the same kind of darth vader helmets and stuff like that <laughs> but as i was saying <laughs> I, yeah uh, he-man I runs into it, him. my uh my kid was like you want to watch this movie he's kind of looks he's like is it a rip off of star wars i was like I mean, yeah, yeah pretty much yeah you already got it go ahead it's fine you it's got lasers yeah and, yeah and stormtroopers because it's funny because apparently those are not like regular stormtroopers though like they are robots They're robots yeah because yeah. uh per mattel he-man was not allowed to kill anybody in this movie yeah it's so goddamn ridiculous but you have to remember yes this was a toy product the mm-hmm. thing the thing that I, I do find funny though is that this was this movie came out really after He-Man had kind of died out. Like this was yeah when this movie came out, He-Man was not a popular toy. The only time you ever saw He-Man really in the Masters of the Universe was reruns of the cartoons, you know, in eighty six, eighty seven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was not like something that was going to revive. At least I, to me, I don't think it would have re- revived any interest in the product. No. But yeah, Mattel was very strict with it and said, "Nope, He-Man cannot kill anybody. He can he can wave that sword around, he can do all sorts of stuff, but he can't kill any people." So the way Cannon got around that was they're like, "Well, all these people are robots, so he can blast mm-hmm. as many of he wants to and slice right. them down." <laughs> but essentially, yeah. So so He-Man figures out with the help of Tila and Man at Arms that yeah, there's this little gatekeeper. He's like a keymaster kind of thing. Yeah, where he apparently had designed a a what's called the cosmic key, which there's the whole universe. He explains that as the whole universe is made up of all these tones, right? So if you played the right tones, you could open up a door to any place in time, right? <laughs> so yeah, I don't remember how they exactly figured this out, but they, they find, Oh no. Cause it's uh, the troops are actually uh, taking Gwildor back to uh, castle Grayskull as a prisoner. Oh, that's right. And, and they, they rescue yeah, him. He, yeah. They, they, they free him. That yeah. And it. it turns out yeah. because, it, what, what happens, he, uh, Gwildor, who's played by Billy Bartley, too, if you're a fan of, like, 70s TV and, and 80s and all yeah. that stuff, as, as little people, Billy Bartley yeah. is always just a great presence. Um, but he explains Bill, that yeah, Evil Lynn... Billy Bartley was fucking... He was uh, in UHF. Really fucking... Yes, UHF. Man. I mean, I remember from, like, old Goldie Hawn movies, like... Um, uh, what was the one that uh, took place, her and Chevy Chase... Uh, I think they did a few together, didn't they? Yeah, they did in the seventies. But damn it, now I can't even remember it. I'm, uh, I'm just gonna move on because I can't remember it. Oh, uh, Foul Play. If you if you ever seen that one, very interesting movie. If you haven't seen it, it creeped me out as a kid. Um, if you've seen it, you know why it creeps you out. Um, but anyway, uh, Gwildor explains to He Man that. 
evil in came along, stole the key from him. She can shapeshift or whatever. And <laughs> that's she, really fully covered. Later's like, yeah, she can do shit. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very convenient <laughs> screenwriting and this has all happened yeah. off, off screen. So you never saw any of this, right. but she just took advantage, took the key, brought it to Skeletor. Skeletor opened up a whole, you know, they, he could get into snake or uh, castle Grayskull. Uh, but it turns out that Gwildor had made a uh, second one or had a prototype that wasn't known about, whatever it was. Can't be a prototype. Though, right, right, that the was it. One. Yeah, he had a, a second key. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that's how they get it. And because the final battle happens, and I think Skeletor zaps the key, so it opens up a, a, a window, but he, but he erases all the tones or something, so they just jump through, and that's how they get to Earth. And the key so is left da- on there. He just data dumped it. And said, Pretty much, yeah. Away, so yeah he he just erased it. And then as he goes, uh, Billy Bartley drops the key, right? And then everybody jumps through the, the, the time hole. And we see the man-at-arms little claw come through, grabs the key before Skeletor can grab that it. That was it, yeah. And that's how it, it, he, it he somehow flies Indiana off. He has moment with that, that's right. Yeah, and that's how we end up on Earth. And that's where we run into our other characters. <laughs> Kevin and Julie. Uh, yeah, Kevin and Julie played by a young Courtney Cox and a character actor, I, I don't know, or I wouldn't even say a character actor, but just an actor, Robert Duncan McNeil. I think he played some uh, on some Star Trek episodes later on. I, I don't really know what else he really did. Yeah, I got no clue. But you were, you were saying that uh, Courtney Cox, um, this might have been her first film role, but it wasn't her first role to television in any, any way. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so there's two places I know her from. Um, the first... Um, Bruce Springsteen video, Dancing in the Dark. If you remember, she's dancing in the front. She's the one that Springsteen brings up on stage at the end, and oh, she's no dancing shit. with him. Yeah, so you saw her there. And there was a TV show that she starred on called Misfits of Science. Um, apparently, I, I don't remember watching it much as a kid. I think I've seen it once or twice. Um, but yeah, apparently she was on that show. I don't remember that, but yeah, she huh. was on there. But I think this was her first feature film role. Right. So, yeah, so Julie, though, as you stated in your synopsis, she is basically in, in mourning, right? She's, she's going through a, a, her own personal crisis. Her parents had died. <sighs> Help me out with this now. Her parents died flying yeah. a plane. Right. But they only flew the plane because she lied to them saying that she wanted to study but but she lied to them she wanted to study but she was really going to hang out with kevin right i don't understand why because her whole character here is like she's blaming herself she's like if i never lied you know they would have never flown that i don't understand how she gets to that point right because they were i thought they were gonna fly anyway weren't they yeah because i mean so it's either like if she will if she would have lied she'd be dead Oh wait a minute! I just I just read this. I'm sorry, I got this wrong. No, apparently they were going to the beach. Oh, and she said no. I, I'm going to study, but her, you know, the study was a ruse. Mm-hmm. So they were like, hey, okay. The parents are saying we're going to go flying instead. Okay, that oh. makes more sense. I get it. Okay, okay. It, there's a lot in this movie like this where it's like little details like that kind of get glossed over real quick. Yeah, um, it's generally it gets, it gets swallowed up and something yeah, ridiculous. It's put out to you in a line, so okay. But that's that's basically her arc. She is moving away, like she's living in California and she's going to move all the way to the East Coast to start a new. I I don't think they really go in depth. Like, does she have family out there or something? Yeah, that's never covered. 
Okay, yeah, <laughs> just like, yeah, just move on. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay, and then you said, Kevin, who is her boyfriend, they're, they're apparently both in high school, um, and he's trying to convince her to stay because they got senior prom coming up and then graduation, but she's not even going to wait for senior prom. She's just going to leave before the night before prom and just disappear. So just to, it's very it's all very convenient i guess for her because she she fits that character that young girl who wants to be who's just going through a major crisis has to overcome something and help save the universe right but why why like they're, they're just high, two high school kids like just them being brought into the plot and having to help would have been enough like yeah they, why, was, why was a tragic backstory needed I feel like they had to add some time to the story or something or oh, or okay. give you a love story in this action film quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, huh. they, now I I could I could easily make the argument and say you could have had some kind of love story with He-Man and Tila or anything. It didn't even have to be teens. Maybe they were going after a teen audience, maybe maybe because yeah, the people who grew up playing with He-Man were probably about what probably 11 12 maybe moving right into teens maybe they wanted to kind of you know connect with that crowd it doesn't make a lot of sense but huh that's the best i could really come up with Eesh, that's thin but it is is really fucking thin because the 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 story is this is where it slows down yeah oh dude it it hits a fucking truck man yeah yeah, because yeah you did i'm i give this film credit on some of its action scenes like (laughs) like here you got you know, Dolph Lundgren out there. He's really swinging this big, heavy oh, sword. Dude, for, yeah. And, you know, he's wearing real, you know, you know, armor. That, I mean, at least it looks like armor. I don't I don't think it's all steel and everything. But, I mean, it's probably fiberglass it's and plastic. And really small fucking thong. Yeah. And he's out there swinging the shield and, you know, and, and the sword and, and doing all all sorts of cool stuff, you know. For what, yeah. it's, what it is, you know, it's not anything what you'd see on Marvel today. But for, for the time and being a canon film... I think it's pretty good. The action action scenes early. I mean, did you did you? I mean, would you agree with that, or did you think they could have done things better? I mean, no. As far as the fighting element goes, like the the action scenes in this movie, are, it, it's almost what you cling to. Like, just <laughs> like, like okay, like, like everything else has been pretty terrible, but you know, He Man actually fighting Beast Man and and Blade and all that shit. It's like, you know, it's stuff we wanted to see, and you know, it was well done. Yeah. Like, the stunts on this movie, like, you know, they were... It's all the movie really had. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah. there's nothing else to it. No. Uh, because, yeah, the story is garbage. I mean, the and Frank Langella, it's... but you'd figure, like, you know, he's... You know, he's got some chops. Like, he's a, he's a real Skeletor. actor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will I will give him that much. Um, Frank Langella... Uh, I don't know him from a whole lot. I know he is a, a pretty well-respected thespian out there, but apparently like he was very excited about this role because his kid at the time was a huge Masters of the Universe fan. So that yeah. kid was so excited that he got to be there. So as a great father, he just wanted to be like, I'm going to go out there and do this, like be the best Skeletor I can be because I just want to mm-hmm. make you know my kid proud of me. And I, I give him props for that because... On the surface of this thing, you have to look at this, right? Being a respected actor, it's one thing to be Dolph Lundgren, you know, the action star, and just Ivan Drago, that kind of stuff, and just playing, you know, generic bad guys. But when you're Frank, yeah, Frank this Langella, is his first role after that, right? Yeah, after uh, Rocky was this. One. I mean, really, like leading a movie too, like being yeah. the leading man here. But For you sure. got Frank Langella, who's a respected actor. How many, how many real actors out there would really say, yeah, put me under a bunch of this makeup? 
and just let me act like kind of foolish, you know, right. as I'm walking around. It's it's kind of I, I give I give the guy credit for it, you know. He's he was a good actor. He definitely tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he 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 worked. You know, he was able to mold that plate of shit into something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> because. Yeah, this this was Dolph's uh, first movie after Rocky IV and his first lead, and that's a big one too because like they were thinking franchise at this you know at some point oh, yeah. <laughs> as they were making this they were thinking franchise I think after the movie came out they realized you know probably not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I and I can get why like people like Lundgren would sign on for this because yeah, if yeah. it is successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, this you can bank this thing. I mean, if mm-hmm. yeah, if you made this thing and it turns out to be a big hit, so you're just gonna get paid, you know, on the end of this thing anyway. Because I'm sure they didn't pay him a ton. I don't, I don't remember looking up and seeing what he got paid for this film. But I'll bet you there was yeah, probably an agreement idea. that's like, yeah, we'll pay you a lot on the back end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you can get sequels to that movie, like like they intended, yeah, I mean, you can set yourself up really well, and then you can decide what projects you want to do going forward. Unfortunately yeah, for, for sure. Lundgren, it just didn't work out that way, and he ended up kind of doing a lot of. B movie action roles, you know, he was never, he never made it quite to Stallone and Schwarzenegger level, you know. Yeah. So, but I, I, I understand. And, and I'll give Lundgren credit too. He's not terrible in this film. No, not at all. He, he, he's good enough for the role. I, I buy him as He-Man just as, you know, his physique. The guy is well built. He's a martial arts guy, so he can obviously move well. You know, mm-hmm. he can do action scenes. It's yeah. just... His line deliveries, he's never been real good at that, but I, I don't totally fault him for that either. He's got a very thick Swedish accent. What's he going to do, right? He's he's doing the best he can. Actually, there is uh, something in his contract about that. Yes. Where, where they were going to dub him out, but uh, he was uh, he was to be given three tries first. Yeah, director of this film. To do film. the dialogue himself, yeah. right? His, his is that whole, right? His whole idea was, yep, I'm just going to dub you over. You're just going to be, you know, the pretty face, you know, this, the muscles. And that's all we need. But that's not yeah. insulting at all. Yeah. 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 Not at all. But I, I guess maybe that's why his agent got that into his contract and said, look, <laughs> right. he gets three tries, you know, to really make this stuff work. And if he gets them and he gets, gives you a good product, you can't dub him. And, yeah. and good for longer because I don't, once again, he's not terrible in his line delivery. He no. just, he's not, He's not given anything. Yeah, he's not. He's not a real like. He's an action star. He's not a like a well trained thespian. That's like, oh, I can give you this real emotive line reading. Right. So he he he's giving what he what he can give, you know. And I I, I will appreciate him for that. Hindsight, as we see what this movie does, he gave as best as he could for this play to shit. I mean, for he, sure. he did what he could, and props for him for not giving up on it. So, but yeah, getting back to the movie. So we, our heroes have gotten away, right? They've gone to Earth. Skeletor has no idea where they go, but it turns out that Julie and Kevin have their last date. You know, he picks her up at her fast food job. You know, she brings some ribs to him and says, "Here you go. Let's let's just have a, a, a one last uh, date. I'm gonna go visit my parents at the at the graveyard, and while they're there." Kevin happens to find in a little crater by a tree uh, the cosmic key, and he's like, because he's a musician, he's like, oh man, this is this is a Japanese synthesizer. This is the greatest thing in the world, and I, I have to say, nothing would be more '80s than, than bringing up the word synthesizer, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh Jesus, I remember as a kid, like you'd go to the, you know, whatever they had before WalMarts and stuff, where you know they had the Casio keyboards and all that stuff, and you just play around with them. A lot of fun. Yeah, but yeah, because my own one today. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> this this movie shaped you, right? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. So, so yeah, he picks up the key, starts playing with it. Because the keys are start playing, um, Skeletor can track this, essentially, right? And yep. that's where they send... Skeletor decides to send four of his best bounty hunters or henchmen, whatever you want to call them. Let's talk about these characters, because I... So I know Darth Vader of him to do. Yeah, he sends... The four characters, and I'm I'm trying to go through. I know that we said Karg, right? So Karg yeah. looks like this little. He, he he seems to me like something you would see on a heavy metal album or something in the '80s, <laughs> with that long hair and like yeah. a beastly face. Yeah, so they send Karg. They send Beastman. And I know Beastman. Yep. Like we all know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a guy named Blade. Blade. And then the last character was his name is it Sarod or is that is that am I saying that yeah. right okay and he's like some kind of lizard creature yeah so yeah Evelyn is, didn't go the first time right no no she did right. not and we'll talk about Evelyn in a little bit because I, I got a lot to say about her but these four characters like this is I remember vividly as a kid this is where I started losing interest in this movie because I had no idea who these characters were like I was like I was like okay, there's Beastman. Who are these other three characters supposed to be? Did you have the same reaction when you were a kid? Yeah, I remember being pretty disappointed with, with not seeing enough things I recognized from the from the cartoons. Yeah, like you you fully expected. Like I get it. Like I understood. Like Gwildor was supposed to be Orko, and right. I think even as a kid I understood that. Yeah, maybe there was a reason why they couldn't do it. It turns out, yeah, it's, it's too expensive to try to, Far to make a puppet them, or yeah. something that would kind of fill that. So fine, you get Gwildor. I can do that. As a kid, I understand that. Makes sense. Magical little person, absolutely. But these characters, I was like, why Why not have, you know, Manny faces and... Dude, uh, right. Who, who, whatever the swamp guy was, or Mer, Merman, right? Yeah. And, you know, all these characters that you know who they were... Why not put versions of them on there? I, I could not for the life of me even find anything why they decided to go with these new characters. Maybe new toys. Maybe they wanted to sell new toys, maybe. Something like that. I think they just ran out of money and they just made shit up. Whatever they yeah. had laying around. But like, I guess okay. it, it makes sense. I mean, they're getting kind of, you know, their money's worth. Because the guy who plays Blade, Anthony DeLongis... Like he was the... He was the stunt coordinator. Yeah, the stunt coordinator. He was doing all the sword yeah. fights. He was the one teaching... Uh, Dolph, how to swing that sword. So I understand that. That makes sense. You reward the guy putting him in a movie, fine. Yeah. But just, yeah, give me some other characters that I know from the cartoon. But no. But yeah, it turns out that all these characters. Maybe it's like a licensing thing, too. Like maybe like the more characters from the actual property they they used, they had to pay for. Maybe. But it doesn't make sense because Mattel was paying half the bill for this movie. (laughs) <laughs> so they would I don't think the licensing or yeah I mean maybe it could be because you know how sometimes these things get very very litigious and we never For know sure. who's got has rights maybe yeah. Filmation was like oh we own the rights to this one little character mm-hmm. but I, and they maybe they only license Mattel to make that toy yeah. maybe it's something like that I'll, I'll give them that that's how we ended up with robots <laughs> <laughs> that you know oh. look like vague stormtroopers so we get to the high school, right? Mm-hmm. We know that yeah, Julie's there, Kevin's there. He's there. To, he's got a. He's playing in the band. Who's playing at the dance, and 
But for some reason, yeah, he leaves Julie alone because he's got to go see his friend at the music store to say, I want to see if anybody knows what this thing is, the cosmic key. So mm-hmm. he leaves Julie there, and that's when the evil henchmen show up. And this is where we get to see our, you know, young Courtney Cox, who's scared for her life. She's running away, and she runs into our hero, He-Man. That's a He-Man. hell of a fight, though. She does, and she, yeah, she, like, throws some, you know, cleaner into Beastman's face, and, yeah. you know, she's able you know, to you run need away. fucking Clorox to fuck that dude up. You're and good. she clearly runs onto a soundstage, because oh, yeah. it doesn't look like it's any kind of city, but she just walks into this <laughs> whole area where it's like an open warehouse or something with all these boxes, and it's only just, there's a chain link fence that's only protecting it, but she hides in there, and He-Man happens to be in there, it's and It's basically like, her. if you saw a fucking, uh a couple of characters from Street Fighter getting ready to fight there, you'd be like, this makes sense. Yes, yes, exactly. It's the same feeling you'd get. Yeah. It was just very, very, like, this is where you as adult, you know, you're just like, you see how cheap this movie is. And you're just like, yeah. you're like, oh God, I like, did they really just not have the money or did mm-hmm. they just, did they skimp on it? Whatever it was. Right. But I guess you do the budget best. Went to. Yeah, they did the best they could. And they have a, a a decent sword fight, right? Blade and He Man have a have a decent yeah, sword sure. fight. Yeah, um, absolutely. The rest of the fight is kind of lame. It's just like, you know, people shooting some some darts at people and stuff like that. Yeah. But, and then eventually, Man at Arms and Tila comes along and saves the day and helps out. Mm-hmm. And are here are, you know, our our villains. You know, the cowards. Uh, at least they kept this with the cartoon. Like the the villains who are always the henchmen for Skeletor were always like so inept. And so cowardly that they would always run away. So I guess they kept that with the with this movie because they just right. run away, go back to Eternia, and yeah, Skeletor says, "You know what? You guys are going to go back, but Evil In, you're going with them." So let's talk about Evil In here. Yeah, uh, because Evil In is played by a character actor that I really love. Um, if if you like horror and all that stuff, like. She is probably like the one person that could really play it. And Meg Foster. Meg Foster, yes, from yeah. They Live. Because Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other, like the next biggest thing I I would call her up for for sure. Like in my it, mind. It's I I think she showed up a lot in like eighties horror films. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's been everywhere. Because and it, it's just those eyes of hers. Yep. Um and if you if you don't know it, those are her real eyes. And they're not contact lenses. Right. Those are the real colors. She's got these. If you don't know her, if you haven't seen any movie with her, she has these piercing, like gray blue eyes. And it, I mean, right. like I said, and when I say piercing, I'm like you, when you see her on screen, you can't focus on anything else but her eyes. Right. It, for sure. You almost think like she's blind. It's 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 very strange. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing her in They Live. That's where I first know her from. But which. Funny came a year after uh, this film. Yeah. But Meg Foster, apparently, yeah, she's walking around with, like, a set piece on her chest, right? This armor chest piece. It was heavy what they had her. It yeah, it like weighed, a... like, 45 pounds. It was a piece of yeah. fiberglass. Jesus. I thought, like, may, maybe I'm just, I was always thinking, I was like, they, they couldn't make something out of plastic for her that was much lighter Right, but maybe maybe the technology just wasn't there to make the plastic look good or something. So yeah, they gave they gave her this big old plastic chest piece that's conformed to her body, but apparently it gave her severe bruising, like in her groin area and everything. Jesus. But 
apparently but but uh, the true actor she is though she used that interacting like she every time she's grint like giving a performance and giving a facial expression like she said like that's her wincing in pain and using that in her performance Jesus so i give Christ. her credit for that that's what a true actor will do they'll be like fine i'm gonna sell out you're gonna you're gonna make me go through this i'm gonna give you everything i can but goddamn, that's you better appreciate up. it jesus yeah well what can you expect from this director we're not gonna say a whole lot about him but yeah right <laughs> If you want to know about him, you just do your own research on him. Yeah, for sure. We don't want Jesus to give him the time Christ. of day on the show. Yeah. But anyway, I, th- I think that Meg Foster is probably one of the best parts of this film. She was convincing as shit. At yes. That. She plays what I thought a real-life version of Evil Lynn would be like. Yeah. Just menacing. She's mm-hmm. a small lady, but goddamn, she walks around like she's 500 pounds. Like, she owns every scene like she is she talks shit to all the henchmen right she's just like you guys are just lame she's like you guys are clearly outclassed by just an earth woman yeah good job guys absolutely love it yeah she was terrific so this takes us i i want to say like this 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 should have been probably the climax of the film this action scene that we get here Mm -hmm. because essentially what happens is We get a we get I, I I didn't even mention this but all throughout this film early on, um, James Token if you Back to the Future fan Top Gun whatever, um, he he's running he plays a cop in this film and he's constantly chasing Kevin down like he's always harassing right. everybody, like he plays that stereotypical pissed off cop you know and I've just yep. got to like Lubick yeah Lubick yeah he's yeah. got to like shake everybody down and treat everybody like a criminal and stuff like that but yeah. he's like chasing around so I guess he's keeping the the plot moving because the, the cosmic key is the MacGuffin of this film so go. everybody's trying to get a hold of it but Kevin takes it to takes it from the he's high school takes story it, momentum yeah takes it to the music store the guy at the music store is impressed he wants to hold on to it Kevin goes back to the school and sees that the school's all burned down and doesn't know where Julie is and then yeah Lubick comes along he takes the key he takes it back to the music store or something and then this is where we get to the action scene because Skeletor's troops, they all yeah, show up Yeah, I don't know why he had to go back to the... Yeah, anyway, yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, this movie, I feel like they just had to, like, pad this thing and keep it, <laughs> you know, to get it like a... Like, it would, like, if you have a feeling like this, if they didn't do anything like that, this film would have come up to, like, 75 minutes or something. Just yeah, under feature-length films were like, we couldn't put this in film, so we've got to extend the story somehow. Jesus. Yeah, okay, that explains so, a lot. So they get back to the movie, the, or the music store, and this is where, you know, Skeletor's troops, they have this big battle with He-Man, and I feel like this is where, like, the end battle should be fighting here. Yeah, for sure. For some reason, though, uh, Julie is back in the back with, with Lubick and and Kevin in the back with, and with... Uh, uh, God, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking here. Um, Tila. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in the back with Tila, and but somehow Julie gets conned because she looks out the window and just happens to see her long dead mother, right, out there. And she goes out to meet her, and the mother just gives her this cock and bull story that, oh no, we aren't dead. We were working for the government or something. <laughs> like right. we were working on we're this spies. whole cosmic key thing. Yeah, we're sorry mm-hmm. we had to put you through this, but hey, go get us the cosmic key. And we'll be a family again, and without question. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> she just runs in, grabs it, hands grabs it, it off. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things that don't really make a whole lot of sense. I feel like this was one of those things that they had to just write in yeah. to get the story, to get the cosmic key back to them so our, our characters yep. will be at their lowest point. Yep. <sighs> so at this point in the movie, I mean, like, where are you as far as, like, engagement with this movie? I mean, were you still, like, going along with this? As a kid or as, a, as an adult watching both. it again? So, this? yeah, I'll give you both. <laughs> oh, uh, as a kid, I mean, I think I was pretty much over it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. for the movie to stop. Because that's probably where I was. Yeah, I was like, this is enough. Like, I, I've seen enough, I think. Okay. Uh, and then as an adult, uh, I started to question myself. Cause I was like, I don't know how much longer I really can watch this for. Because holy shit. <laughs> it, was, it felt like it was so long. You check the timer, right? You're just like, yeah, oh, sure how much did. longer is like, here? Yeah. Yes. How is this only 49 minutes? What the fuck is going on? I agree with this. Yes, this movie... Because of this central or this 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 B plot line of the love story between Kevin and yep. Julie, and her you know pain of losing her parents, mm-hmm. it it slows this movie down so much. Because oh, yeah. I mean, remember Skeletor essentially disappears from this movie for a good forty five minutes. Oh yeah, you know yeah he was in like the the, the opening uh, act and then that was it. Yeah, and then, then you're like wondering, like, yeah, I thought this was a He-Man movie. I thought it was like Master of the Universe, right. good and evil fighting. No, it's it's a it's two teenagers in love with mm-hmm. He-Man running around in the background. Like even He-Man is barely in this in this section of the movie. Yeah. Like he only shows up every once in a while when there's a battle to fight, but he's not even moving the plot forward, right? It's yeah. it's like this this whole chase, this MacGuffin of the cosmic key going every every which way that yes, it just gets boring. But I will say, this movie does pick up slightly. Once we get to the movie music store and we get this battle going, I'm, I found myself... I know as a kid, like I was just kind of like, I'm, just, I'm checked out because there's just not enough for me at, this, at, this, at my age at that point to right. say, this is not what I wanted from this movie. Mm-hmm. But as I, as I got older, though, I did realize that I was like, well, I, I, I see the flaws here of this, of this B storyline. <laughs> But I was also being like, okay, good. There's some action going on here. This is what I liked right. about this first 15 minutes of this movie. This is what I like now. Just get me to the finish line now. I'm with you. I checked this. I checked the clock too, because I was I was looking how much more time we had. But yeah. I was like, at least we got some action now. We're we're getting to a climax, I think. It's like I looked at my watch and I was like, look up. I was like, how, why is he on a hoverboard? Like, what the fuck happened? Oh, geez, let's talk about the hoverboard. <laughs> oh man, because I I oh, oh boy. I think the special effects in this movie are terrible. Yeah. They're absolutely ugly. And when I'm talking the CGI effects, the makeup effects, I think the practical things kind of look cool. Some um, of them. Yeah. Like Skeletor's ship that he comes in, his hovering ship. Yeah. I think that's all practical. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's a um, mini Java barge. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. I, I even thought that as a kid. But yeah, but the man, the special effects, like they're on a hoverboard, fighting, uh, it's like a phantom trooper or something. I don't know what they called those troopers. I, yeah, I, I got no clue. God, is it ugly and just so cheesy looking. Like you, It's you, pretty bad. You felt bad for Dolph at that point because you're like, oh man, like I, I want you to be successful, Dolph. You signed up for this shit movie and God, they put him on, like, he, I feel like he's just standing on a, on a podium or something and he's you know dodging from side to side trying to make it look cool right and then like 
pulls out his sword and has like a jousting session. It just the whole thing is just god awful. It's like our modern day Flash Gordon. He's Sam Jones. I would boy, like I give Flash Gordon some credit though, because at least all that was pretty practical, at least. Yeah. You know, even the Hawkman <laughs> in that movie, like I yeah. feel like you could see the strings they were hanging on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that movie someday, just oh, just on a side gladly. note. Because yeah, I that's a that is a definite guilty pleasure of mine. But it's going I digress. Right anyway, so we finally going to get to the battle here. He Man is trapped. They they they've got everybody surrounded. Right, this final battle is culminated at this point. He Man has to surrender, or Skeletor says, "I'm going to kill everybody." So right. He Man surrenders, gives him the sword, and that's where. As you said in your plot summary, that Julie gets zapped right. um, by Skeletor, Skeletor right? and she's going to you know, die if she doesn't get back to Eternia because only the sorcerers can fix her, apparently. Right. But yeah, so the deal that Skeletor makes with He-Man is like, you be my slave for eternity, um, I go back and rule Eternia, and your friends can stay here stranded. And He-Man, being the valiant and courageous hero that he is, agrees to it. He makes the sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get to a point where this is where Kevin has to be the hero, right? Because he's got the photograph, photograph, or is a photographic memory when you're talking about sound? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, throughout this whole movie, like the one thing they do beat you over the head with is this tone that's played every time you hit like the power button like on the cosmic key. Yeah, it's like yeah, But this is where yeah, because all the keys have been erased. They can't mm-hmm. open up another hole to get back to Eternia to save Julie's life. You know, Gwildor says, oh, hey. Jesus. He's like, he's like, yeah, I can get the key to work, but I don't know the tones. We don't know the tones. You could go anywhere. Right. So that's when Kevin steps up and says, wait a minute. I know the tones. And oh, my God. They have to set up some elaborate keyboard synthesizer key with wires going everywhere. Oh, it's just, it's really ridiculous. It feels very... Like Mr. Wizard. Yeah, that's an excellent <laughs> way to describe it. But he ends up getting the tones. He opens up the uh, the doorway. And our heroes get to jump right back into Grayskull. Where yep. at that very moment, like, He-Man is being whipped, you know. And made to, to kneel in front of Skeletor. Yeah, because he becomes yeah. master of the universe. We even, like, we'll talk about that. He he opens up the Eye of Eternia or something like that, or yeah, the Eye of Grayskull, where yeah. only happens when the Equinox happens. I don't know. They have some weird convoluted uh, conversation about once every thousand years, like, the, the planets converge, and, you know, he can summon the power, and all the yeah. power of the universe is flowing through him, mm-hmm. and he turns into Gold Skeletor, which... Yeah, I think at that point, I think that's where Frank Angela like ceases to be in this movie. Yeah, because <laughs> that is a very elaborate and heavy looking costume that, that this Skeletor is wearing. It's big. Oh, it it's is huge. so big. And this, once again, as a kid, this completely took me out. I was like, "What is this garbage?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I I just want to see Skeletor fight him, right?" Yeah, absolutely. And so this, okay, this becomes the final concept because yeah. Our heroes show up. They save the day. He-Man is able to break free of his chains. He pulls the sword or all this stuff. And we get our final battle with He-Man. And I don't know if you read the backstory to this, but apparently this is, before this battle ensues, this is where Mattel said, we are done. 
we're not paying anymore. You guys are over budget. You're over time. Oh we are gosh. pulling out. You're not getting any more money for us. So they just had to put... This is the final scene they put together. Oh, my God. There was supposed to be so much more to this battle and this end scene. But this is it. This is why it's so dark in there. All you have is, like... I kind of feel like it's like Attack of the Clones, that that final lightsaber fight with Christopher Lee, where you can tell that Christopher Lee is just standing there swinging a light rod around. That's all he really can do. Like, I feel like that's all that these characters, Lundgren and whoever's the stunt character in this costume, uh, which apparently, like, Mr. Longoria, the the stunt coordinator, I I think he got in the costume a couple times. Oh, so he might have been Skeletor for the final battle one. But it feels like they're just, like, swinging the the gold rod around until eventually He-Man just takes the the Sword of Eternia, Mm -hmm. smashes Skeletor's staff of power, and somehow that takes away all his power. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't get it. This is it's not explained why it does because no. they they never set up anything that the staff has anything to do with him collecting the power. But right for some reason, mm-hmm. it does. And then yep. once again, another ripoff from Star Wars. Uh, he man ends up throwing Skeletor down this shaft, <laughs> you know, and he falls just like Emperor Palpatine. But and then we just get to the end where our heroes are celebrating at the end saying yeah good job everybody and you know he-man is like here you go kevin you you can take this girl back now i don't want her in my life anymore <laughs> right get like, this he kid out of here pawns her off and you know for some reason lubick just decides to stay in eternia like he has nothing to go back to <laughs> yeah they don't set that up either it's just like oh yeah i'm just gonna stay here because they gave me a woman <laughs> Right. It's like, I'm pretty sure he didn't actually look outside and see the rest of what the planet looked like. Yes. Or the fact that, you know, you know, there is magic creatures here, you know. Right. And everything where you live is definitely going to want to murder you. Yeah. So. And and then so we get to the end of this thing where you had said in your plot summary that they're going to send send uh, send Kevin and and Julie back to where they came from back when they left. But. (laughs) Somehow, Gwildor just knows. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to fuck with time here. No, she asked. She no, asked. She asked she only after he opens the key. So yeah, like, I so take like, that so, as... Like, so we see to send her back anyway? And then yes, she asked? Yes. But how would he know? That's that's a great question. Yeah, they don't really set it up. That's because, really dumb. Yes. Yeah, so like at, like after the portal opens, she says, Gwildor, wait. Send me back before the crash. And yeah, then, as Kevin is pulling her through, right. you know, she's like, no, 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 wait, please. So we're left as the audience to say, oh, man, she could have had it, but right, no. Which I would have respected at least because at least the character then could have actually gone through an actual life-changing experience and said, you know what? The death of my parents, yes, although extremely tragic, it's not the end of my life. I right. don't have to end it because, look, there's more to the world out there than just that. I mean, not to mention the fact that, yeah, I, this whole experience brought me closer to my boyfriend that I'm with. But she has grown as a character. It would have made perfect sense if she just never got that. But I, I'm pretty certain that, you know, test audience was like, no, no, no. You need to give her a, the super happy ending. Yeah. You know, it's a kid's movie. You got to do it. So it I, it makes sense on that sort that's uh, part. But you know, me as like the filmmaker of today, somebody who would criticize filmmaking, I would say this is the way to end that thing. End it on a great life lesson and just say, you know what? This isn't the end of my life. 
I've got so much more ahead of me because I know because for God's sakes, I know something that nobody else in the world knows about the rest of the universe. <laughs> and I have the proof in my hand to hold it. Yeah. To prove it. So. So, as you said, yeah, they send her back. She wakes up, you know, in her bed, um, which once again doesn't make any sense. Like it's like she woke up out of a dream where as before, whenever they were jumping through the wind, uh, the time tunnels. Like, they would just jump out and say, okay, they were I'm right here. There. Yeah, right. Yeah, but they don't explain that either, but Julie wakes up. Chuck up she's, the time travel, I guess. Yeah, she she's Quantum in this ridiculously rules. looking, like, 19 or 1800s, like, nightgown, too. It's just really ridiculous. But it turns out, Gwildor thought ahead, send her back in time. Her parents are downstairs. She steals her parents' keys to prevent them from flying. Right. And then Kevin shows up, and somehow Kevin knows he's back in time, too, for some way. Um... And then, yeah, they, they end the movie with them holding the, the little Eternia bouncy ball thing that the sorceress right. gave her and said, hey, yeah, if you ever get lonely here, Eternia is always close, which. So is that supposed to be like a key, like they can get themselves back? Or? I always thought it was like a, a, like a calling card. Like they say, hey, something's happening, He-Man. I need oh. your help. Maybe in the like sequels, an, inter, an intergalactic pager. Yeah, maybe in the sequels, and we, we'll talk about this as you know. Maybe they had an idea that maybe that that piece of equipment would come into play. Well, actually, uh, it, in the sequel, they were gonna do uh, He-Man was gonna go back to Earth, but disguised as a uh, quarterback. And what? Yes, he was supposed to go back to the same town where he was, basically. So, yeah, but sure it was like, but it was like a post-apocalyptic though, wasn't it? I thought there was a post-apocalyptic type thing going. That might have been one of the pitches too. But one of the pitches, yeah. he was supposed to go back to that same town, but as a quarterback. But yeah, that's the movie in a nutshell. I mean, we I think we did a pretty good job of going through this whole thing. Oh, and then the the, the post credits. Uh, yes. Scene. This is where you knew that, like, yeah, that somebody had some plans and said, yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna set up a sequel because Frank after the all the credits roll. You know, you just see this little puddle of water and Frank Langella, like, is supposed to come out there and, you know, scare the audience. I think it's very forward thinking, though, because this is way, yeah. way, way, way before any Marvel movies, any post or mid credit scenes were showing up in movies. Like, oh, yeah, this is 87. Yeah, they threw this out there and it was like, oh, yeah. And Skeletor just says, I'll be back, you know, as, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we got a sequel in the works in which we know never, ever came. <laughs> so. Which is fair, considering that the uh, the whole budget for this movie was only... Was only twenty two million, and box office it, it stands at a little over. It only made seventeen. It was a f- huge, huge flop. So if, if you listen to one. our previous shows, we, we've talked about canon. This is really one of the films, along with Over the Top and Superman Four, that mm-hmm. ultimately just destroyed canon films. Yep. It it put them so far into the red. They were these were those were the three movies that they expected to be their blockbuster hits, to put them on par with Warner Brothers, with Universal, with MGM, all the big movie producers. It just didn't happen. Like, all those movies they produced were all flops. And, yeah, sadly, canon would only only last probably maybe four or five more years. I think in 92 is when they finally just, you know, went bankrupt. Yeah, that was it. But... Yeah, this was it. So I mean, we we've, we've got to talk about all of the uh, the, the big uh, gambles that uh, failed to pay off for him, sadly. But and overall, this might be the though, biggest. 
yeah, this this was one of the biggest ones. This was this was like kind of the nail in the coffin at this point because yeah. Superman three ultimately didn't deliver. I believe this was the last one to come out between those movies. I think it was. I think I said before. I think it was over the top Superman uh, in the early early summer, and then this one came out in like August or September, and just it was it was the knockout blow to canon. Jesus. But overall, so you said as a kid, like by the time the last fight scenes were going on, you were checked out. Yep. Do you remember then as a kid saying, okay, yeah, this was all right, or I mean, no, you, said, you said a little I, early on in the show, right? I, I did not like the ending. Okay. So <laughs> as a kid, all. you didn't like it. So what about it as an adult? Like, what, Oh, what I was think? just glad it was over. I was <laughs> so glad it was over. <laughs> Good call. Oh, um, man, dude. That was so long. Like, I just, I didn't have it in me just to, like, the whipping scene and just, like, the, the lame-ass fight. And, yes. Oh, my God. It, holy fuck. I had enough. Like, it's, I was so over it, man. I was yeah. absolutely checked out beyond belief at that point. It's sad. Yeah. Because, um, like, you know, my, my kind of final thoughts on this is... Going back to this, I, I was I was dreading it. Right, we talked For about sure. we talked about doing these these canon films, and you know we wanted to do these big three, and I was dreading this because I yeah. remember when I watched this as a kid, like I never ever went back to this thing, mm-hmm. um, for the longest time, and so I was dreading this. I was like, I just don't want to do this because I, I remember how bad. Mm-hmm. I will give this film the smallest bit of credit. It's not as terrible as I remember it to be. That's not me saying that this is a good film. Um, but it has a couple of, of decent scenes in it that that's fair. Will make it what people would consider a cult classic. Cause I think this is for yeah. many people, a cult classic to go back to now. Yeah. It's, it's not something anybody just looks back on fondly and says, oh, yeah, this was so good as a child. I loved it, blah, blah, blah. No, it's one you go back to when you you were a kid. You you grew up with the toys. And you go back to it today to watch it. And, you know, you're rewarded just a little bit with saying, okay, I didn't hate it. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is about as damning as of, uh, of a compliment I can give to it. But I give it that. It's not as bad as I thought it was. So, where would you rank it if we had to do a, a top three? Like, what's the best movie between this, Over the Top, and Superman Four? Okay, Superman Four, obviously at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> horrible. I don't absolutely. think there's any question on that. Yeah. Um, but that's a tough one because you're you're balancing the star <laughs> power of Stallone in kind of a lame movie. Or Dude. much more action. That said, I'm I'm gonna give Masters of the Universe the number one spot. It's mm. gonna slightly beat out over the top. Um, over the top does have some some classic scenes, but all its classic scenes take place in the last 15 minutes of that movie, because <laughs> the rest of the movie is just really terrible. Yeah, this one has some decent stuff sprinkled throughout the whole movie. That's so I, I will give it. You know, even though the movie may have been. Well, I, I won't even say that. It's not Dolphed up. Dolph certainly Dolphs up some movies later on in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Scorpion. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yes, <laughs> terrible. He did a lot of horrible movies yeah, uh, later on. Unfortunately, as we said earlier, this was not his key to stardom. This was not going to get him the roles that were going to Schwarzenegger and Stallone right. 
and to an extent Van Damme and, and those characters. Yep. But he went on in his, his own right to do some films. You know, he worked with Brandon Lee and uh, Showed down uh, a little Tokyo. Yes, thank you. I, it was escape. I was going to say Big Trouble in Little China, but I was like, no, 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 that's nope. a far superior movie. <laughs> so, Way better. Yes, but yeah, did several several movies that I I remember as a kid renting on home video and not thinking yep. they were great. They weren't they weren't Schwarzenegger films, but they weren't terrible either. So absolutely not. It didn't destroy Longhorn's career, but it didn't really make it either. Yeah. But wow. I think for me, I uh, I would give the edge to Over the Top, but only because of uh, Robert Loggia and uh, and Terry Funk. The star, oh yes, the star power of, yes, the tag team of right. Robert Loggia and the actual wrestler, Terry Funk, who, yeah. who only has probably three scenes in that whole movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's funny you mentioned that because I nails everyone. I was looking back on that and I was like, I, I, every time I see Terry Funk, I never recognize him at first. And yeah. then I realize, oh yeah, that's Terry Funk. Like, oh shit, that's Terry Funk. Yeah. He plays the same roles in everything he does. It's like, yeah. you are heavy number two. That's your role. So. I watch Roadhouse to this day, not ironically. He was in Roadhouse, yes. I really love that movie. Golly. He calls uh, Sam Elliott dad to his face. <laughs> Does I no, I don't remember this because uh, it's been so long since I've seen Roadhouse. Um, is he he's one of the bad yes. bodyguards, right? Like he, he he's is. the one who just completely stays bad, stays bad through the whole movie, right? Yeah, he's a bad okay. bouncer. Okay, good, good. Okay. I couldn't remember because I remember that again. That group kind of splits, you know. Yeah. Our hero goes in there. Well well that's another movie we he's have to kind of the anti Dalton. Like if the, you know if they, you had to put it into bouncer terms. He's the one dealing drugs, right? No. Oh, okay. Dang it. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah, he just didn't have the temperament. And then you know when he was when Robert uh, when Patrick Swayze dismissed him, he's like, "What am I supposed to do?" He's like, "There's always barber college." It's like, "Oh shit, that was a great burn." And, you know. Okay. <laughs> you're that, for there. that is also going on our list of movies to review. Um, I'm not going to put that on a timeline yet because I think we we've, we've got some other movies that we may want to discuss on this podcast um why don't you tell the listeners what those movies are i mean if we're continuing down the the canon group uh we had mentioned uh maybe doing something in the chuck norris flavor but then you brought up american ninja and i was not familiar with these with this movie yes. until uh until you told me about it and then looking into it more they made like eight of these or something ridiculous and a bunch of them are on Prime available to watch right now, so I think we're going to dip into the American Ninja. At least the first two. Because At I, least the first two. I can you tell you the Michael, rest of them. Uh, what's his name? Michael Dudikoff. Dudikoff. Yeah, he was, a, he was a martial arts star. star. Probably like a D-level like martial arts star, but the, that was supposed to be his foray into the action world and make his career. And once again, because it's a canon film, it just it didn't pan out for him. But we, will, we can certainly talk about that. But there's another movie out there that... We had just off air. We we were just kind of you know BSing as we often do, and I was surprised that you hadn't seen this one in a while. But yeah, I think not it's since one I was a kid. that is certainly worth discussing because it's so crazy and so ridiculous, and we could probably work it in before we really get into some horror films. Super Ooh, Supergirl, yeah, the nineteen eighty four film. Mm-hmm. So predates, and I think it ties in as you pointed out to our canon discussion. It has it a lot to do. 
Um, you can't. You, you listeners may want to go back if you haven't listened to it. You might want to listen to our our discussion of Superman four after you hear our discussion of Supergirl because I think there's going to be some interesting tie-ins. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I never knew this until we. Yeah, I didn't either. But I was more amazed that you hadn't watched it in so long, being that you know you are the the, the huge comic book fan and you you love you know Superman's Batman's and all that kind of stuff. I do. You know, I would I figured, and, and not to mention the fact that you just love beating yourself up by watching terrible movies. <laughs> I do. And because this is certainly one of them, 1984. Yeah, yeah. Peter O'Toole is in this movie. Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like these were you know, minor stars, you know, Helen Slater is probably the most minor of stars. That might be her first role in a movie, but yeah, that yeah. might've been her first film. Actually. I yeah. think, I think we can talk about that film. I, I, I would certainly look forward to that because there's a lot to talk about in that movie. Yeah. It's got a very interesting history. So yeah, that, that one's definitely on the list for, uh, for coming up. But, you want to do that one next before you jump into American Indian? Yeah, let's do that because I think I do need to clean my palate a little bit. With something fun? Yeah, let's let's okay. let's not completely get out of the canon world, but get out of the canon world, if you know what I mean. It's canon adjacent, so it's it is. fine. It has yeah. a tie. Like I said, it's we right will, next door. Yeah. We will certainly talk about that on the next show. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, that movie just happens to be, you know, one movie that we just happen to see is available. Yeah. <laughs> Then why not? It's fortunately one of those ones we don't have to pay to watch. And then we can torture ourselves with Michael Dudikoff and American Ninja at least one through two or three. I can tell you, man, I'm excited for you to get to watch that because... Based this, off the poster alone, this I am, is, it's just so intriguing. Yeah, all I'm going to say is, you grew up in the 80s, yep. you grew up with ninjas. Mm. It, it's something about us as kids when we were like 1984 to like 1986 or 87. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be a ninja as in yep. Halloween. We'll get into it. But yeah. yes, that's where this movie came from. It came out of that craze. And it's something else. It's it's a, it's a gem in its own right. I cannot wait. I'm truly excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we got a lot of shit to watch. Let's get out of here. Everybody, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Can you dig it?